is sometimes it's not about like what you're learning but more the discipline mm. like mm. you know how i was saying oh, i didn't really like maths but yeah. i just eventually just learned to do it mm. i was like okay yeah i just it's the discipline and then as well i think with a lot of like the experience i've had sometimes like it's not always going to be good times sunshine rainbows <laughs> mm. so i would just encourage people you know like embrace every place you're at and even if it's not ideal or where you want to be at the moment um it's like a important phase and stepping stone for you you know so like embrace embrace where you're at embrace the people Guys, uh, as I just finished, uh, we are having the Women in STEM recruitment campaign, and um, today's, tonight's guest, Brittany Harris, she's making it hard to choose anyone else. She's uh, and made an amazing career storyboard. Uh, you know, she was so well prepared for the episode. She's so passionate, well prepared, and, and genuine. Um, Jack, Matt, we had an amazing episode tonight. Oh, absolutely. What I really love about Brittany as well is just like her sheer determination of going through the. Like, she started off doing admin work for a law firm and just went, oh, engineering, maybe that's kind of like to go for the leap from doing that to thinking, oh, I might do engineering and she's mixing with all the boys on site and doing all those type of things. Mm. Someone, I think if you didn't know any better, you'd say she's pretty naive, but in fact, she just seems so determined brave. to just kind of, yeah, yeah, brave, determined. Those are the words that come to mind after doing the episode with her. Yeah, yeah. And, and to um, think like she's gone from a receptionist at a mining company and she's now about to graduate Fingers crossed. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> from from her transport subject, and she's now working as a civil engineer here at Oricon. It, it's an amazing story and uh, and super inspiring, and and we've we've loved to cover it. Yeah, and and she is such an amazing woman, and that's why she has so many great mentors and colleagues uh, that love to support her because they see her passion, they see her drive. Uh, we see it too, and uh, and yeah, as I said, she'd be an amazing uh, partner and co-host on The Pretend Engineers. Mm. She embodies exactly what we want and, and what we, we try to, uh, I suppose, envisage and show to other people, embody. Absolutely, and you'll listen to her story through this podcast and you'll um, quickly discover all the bodies and committees and events and things that are going on out there for people in engineering, because she has literally done them all, it seems, and her career path or career tra trajectory has followed those type of things. And yeah, just like a shout out for people that we're going to go start to talk to, like the Constructionarium and things like that, who you'll hear more about in the episode. It was really inspiring to hear how these kind of things are helping out the engineering community and people like Brittany who um, are coming up through the ranks and are really benef benefiting from the amazing initiatives that are out there. And we at the Pretengineers are just like so keen and happy to get involved with these kinds of people who are out there making a difference in the engineering world because we believe so much in this message of making it more transparent and easier for people coming up into our amazing and incredible industry through these kind of mediums. And Brittany talked a lot about that during the episode, so please listen in um, closely to those type of bits for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and guys, just to recap, uh, we'll keep it short and sweet because it's an amazing episode, but uh, amazing, uh, amazing, fantastic woman, uh, went from receptionist, uh, you know, to mining company, went through TAFE, went through university, um, now she's in design consultancy, uh, amazing, fantastic episode uh, for people that are interested in site engineering, uh, you know, civil work, construction work, 
and uh, for people that just love to take a risk and push themselves out there. So uh, enjoy the episode. Please continue to follow us on our Women in STEM recruitment campaign. We're looking for the next partner and co-host of The Pretengineers. And uh, we've got a couple of great events coming up. We are doing a little bit of work with the Institute of Public Works Engineering Association Queensland. Amazing guys and girls there, Lee Cunningham and the team. Um, we're really excited to do some work with them. So keep an eye out for their Go West and all other diversity campaigns that we're really excited to partner with. And also the UQ Graduate Pathways event happening in September. If you haven't already clicked attending, then check it out. It's gonna be an amazing event and we are gonna be speaking there. So we can't wait to actually connect and, and chat to a lot of the amazing young professionals there. So, but um, that's it from us. I'm Ryan Lumens. I'm Jack Orbit. We're Pretensioners. Enjoy this episode, guys. So, uh, guys, my name is Ryan Lumens. I have with me good Jack. friend and Pretensioner co-founder, Jack Orbit. Hey, thanks for the intro. That was really nice. My it's, pleasure. Uh, it's a pleasure to be back and uh, chatting with... None other than Brittany this afternoon. Brittany Harris. We should say. Uh, we just actually have a little bit of a giggle here, guys. Um, we'll try and get maybe some, some footage on the camera or I'll take a photo on my phone, but we've got an amazing storyboard from Brittany and it's all about her career and, uh, and her wanting to be a pretensioneer co-host. So Brittany Harris, you have the floor, my friend. Welcome. Thanks for the intro, Jack and Ryan. So I suppose you just want me to give a quick intro. Oh, you can please stuff that up. Like I'm just starting. No, I'm only joking. No, no, no. Yeah, just like one thing we, we always do, uh, Brittany, if, if you've uh, you know listened to some of our episodes, is, is one thing I really like to sh help, I suppose, young students with and things is, is that 30-second elevator pitch. So um, if you were going to give yourself a really quick and short uh, introduction to someone at a networking event, g'day, my name is Ryan Lumens. I'm an electrical engineer with GHD. What would you say? Hi, oh, okay, I'll just, hello, my name's Brittany. Um, hey, Brittany. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I took in 2013 and now it's 2019. It's been a massive journey so far. Um, Fantastic. But yeah, it's, I've been through like a couple different phases through undergrad and, you know. Now you're at Oricon. Now I'm at Oricon. So I initially started in the workplace in construction at BMD and now I'm at Oricon. Yeah. Um, just about to graduate, pending results. <laughs> pending <laughs> results of the bloody transport exam. Yeah. <laughs> massive, yeah. massive. Well, how about we start from from the beginning? How about you? Uh, you know, how did you get into this this uh, the STEM and industries and and the mining and and the you know all of the engineering industries? How did Starting you start? at the beginning. Oh, she's got her smart glasses on, everyone. Yeah. Be prepared. She's going to speak some some <laughs> truths right now. And just just for the <laughs> listeners, like we're looking at this storyboard that she's prepared for us to go through. It's amazing. And the first one is a goldfish jumping out of water, and uh, is that is that truly the beginning? You're jumping out. Yeah. So yeah. my first picture is a visual representation of jumping into like a bigger world of engineering just taking that leap of faith mm. um, but yeah I think because um, where, where did you come from at the start so finished high school and where'd you go to straight away because it wasn't engineering to yeah. start off with hey so when I finished high school I kind of jumped into a couple different um, areas so initially 
I was like, oh yeah, I'll do, I'll go into nursing, I'll go into tourism, but I never followed through. It was always super short. Mm. And um, Was that kind of like what friends were doing at the time or was that something I, you thought you were passionate about? Or? I thought I was passionate about it, but really at the time I didn't really know myself and I still was super unsure. So yeah, after I mm. made those first initial decisions, I decided, okay, you know what, I just want to, um, get some stability and get to know um, myself first. So I just thought I'd work full time first. So sure. yeah, I initially got a job for a legal firm doing um, administration work um, mm. for a year. And nothing like working for lawyers, huh? <laughs> what <Yeah>. a gig! <laughs> yeah, because I always saw myself as like a I, I love working in the corporate area. Yeah, but yeah, I. Did that for watched a, a bunch of suits and you wanted to be yeah, a lawyer pretty yeah. much <laughs> and i was i was always going to a lot of these different law firms and then i um just thought oh this is like too much intellectual mm-hmm. intellectual kind of like pay work for me i want to you know do stuff i want to you know build stuff get stuff done and yeah things that you can be more like tangible. tangible and yeah. tangible yeah. practical yeah yeah, yeah 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 pretty much um and then so after that um i moved um, as a, I moved into a mining firm, but I still did administration work. So I worked as a receptionist, yeah, for a bit over a year. And I think being in that environment, I was exposed to a lot of the engineering work they did. Mm. So the company um, ran mining courses, and um, yeah, I kind of just was exposed to what they did and like the big impact they made on. The world i guess and um yeah so i got to a time when i was you know i need to think more serious about my career and um yeah i was starting to like talk to more of like more of my colleagues oh i was super curious about what engineers did mm. um and one of the girls who kind of inspired me i was, I was always like oh so um you're a civil engineer any shout outs Oh, Holly Duncan. Holly Duncan, Duncan. shout out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she was... getting you on the podcast. See you soon. So what was your interaction? Would she walk past your desk every day type thing or you'd see her at lunch or... Um, She was kind of... She was like a friend and colleague. We had a lot of mutual friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, females love to confide in each other in the workplace sure. as well. <laughs> what a lovely way to put it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we just got talking a lot and, yeah, I knew she was a civil engineer and I was like, oh, wow, she's, like, so smart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and she, I always said, oh, um, so what's your engineering like? I'm, I'm thinking of studying it. And she's like, oh, you have to kind of be really good at maths. <laughs> and I was like, Just oh, a quick heads uh-oh. up. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I did really bad in, like, bad in maths in high school. So, uh, yeah, next. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but obviously you didn't, so kind of, do you think that was a bit of your naivete coming yeah. into play? Or? I don't know, I was kind of, like, I li- listened to her, her advice, but I didn't really take it on. I was like, oh, I could probably still do it. Mm. Just, like, um, sheer determination almost. Yeah. Yeah, and there was a lot of like different, um, like a lot of the colleagues at RPM as well. Yeah, they were just like, yeah, engineering's amazing, blah, mm. blah, blah. Big so, shout out to Ben Hall. Yeah, Ben Hall. Amazing mentor, <laughs> person. If you want to find him on LinkedIn, Ben Hall is an absolute legend. Love chatting to him every time. 
What does he do, Ben Hall? I'm not actually familiar with Ben Hall yet. Lead, uh, one of the lead engineers, one of the big, big honchos at RPM. He's a fantastic guy. Can you speak more yeah, about right. Ben? Yeah, Ben Hall, he was super encouraging. Like, I remember his wife would always come in and talk about, oh yeah, like, we actually bought Ben all these toy trucks and that's what filled his office. And I was like, wow, this family is so passionate about yeah. like, his work and yeah. just really back him up. And yeah, he ran um, a mining for non-miners course. So mm-hmm. yeah, that kind of got me a bit curious about what engineers did. Mm. Yeah. Did yeah, you, right. yeah. Unreal, unreal. And so what, what was the next step? What was that? What was that little fish in the little pond jumping into the little fish in the bigger pond? How'd that happen? Wait, how'd you go from RPM to, you know, to the next stage? So I was looking into um, the associate degree in civil engineering at TAFE. Fantastic. And I remember just um, looking at all the units and, you know, mm. what the course overview. Mm. And I was like, oh, no, this kind of scares me. It sounds mm. so technical. But you know what? I'll just do it. Because <laughs> I was like, this is kind of the only option for me. And at least I know that TAFE is like a smaller environment in comparison to yeah. university. So yeah. that was um, my option. Yeah. And just quickly interrupt, how did you find the, um, although you're not obviously very old, but, but that mature age student entry process? You know, like I was similar. I went back to Unit 21. So how did you find, did you have to do some, um, you know, because obviously you don't have an OP or anything anymore. Did you have to do some entry tests and how did you find the TAFE in terms of supporting you, trying to apply for courses and th- how did you find that whole experience? Well, coming out of high school, I did go for an OP yeah. and a TAFE. Um, did I, they still honour that then at, at two or three years after high school? Yeah. They, they still recognise that? Yeah, they okay, recognise cool. your OP. Um, for... But there was no cutoff. Yeah, okay, cool. It's oh, just really? um, whether you finish high school, pass maths yeah. and English. You can yeah, okay, cool. Out. Okay, because I thought that OP had a certain expiry date, yeah. but so they, they still wanted your OP. Yeah, from, it was only okay. about two or three years post high okay. school. Yeah, so, cool. Great, great. Yeah, so I started at TAFE. Um, yep. And yeah, to be completely honest, I didn't really know what civil engineering was in its yeah. entirety when yeah. I got yeah. into I still don't know, so yeah. there's not, nothing wrong with you. <laughs> and I, I remember just sitting in... Um, one of my first courses, Engineering Fundamentals. Yeah. And I was just so taken back. I was like, what have I done? (laughs) 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 Pretty much. (laughs) Why am I here? I felt so out of my comfort zone. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, all this mass, I have to revise what I, you know, tried to do in high school. And yeah, yeah. yeah. I really didn't like maths, but um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Something that really fascinates me about engineering and professionals in general, like there's a lot of people out there that are doing really hard kind of crazy jobs and there's definitely some people out there that are super passionate about that particular thing, but like why did you want to carry on with it? Like me personally, I'll be straight up, like I didn't really like university. I like some subjects, but I found, found it challenging. I'd prefer to be out surfing and doing other things. And the reason I wanted to complete my degree so much is I really wanted to prove myself to my parents, to society, to, to everyone else to be like, hey, I'm a smart guy, like, look at me, I can do this type thing. And yes, I was really fascinated in engineering and those type of things as well. But I think it was probably more so proving to myself that I was smart and society could recognize me as being a smart person type thing. So for you, like, why did you keep what was doing the purpose, it? Yeah, I guess. what was the purpose of it, even though you were so daunted and almost going, what am I doing here? I think to me, it was all about the bigger purpose and being a part of something bigger, contributing mm. and serving to the world. And I think because of engineers, you can see the impact that you're making Absolutely. in society. So, 
yeah, I always wanted my career to be something meaningful. And if you're going to go into something, you know, make it count. Mm. And make it, like, even though it might be hard, like, it'll be worth it. So that was kind of more of the reason why. And Oh, I love that. Because yeah. you kind of get to the end of your life yeah. and say you're 90, 80 years old and you're looking back. If um, you're just serving coffees your whole life, maybe you could be super passionate about that and become barista and experts in all sorts of coffees. But like, for me, like that just isn't enough. And I wanted to kind of contribute more and more type thing. And for you, yeah, saying what you just did is like exemplifies that um, perfectly, I think. Yeah, definitely. uh, So tell us, um, you started CAFE and- How did you adapt? How did you, you know, you, 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 just, you just mentioned how you went into this first course and you were like, oh my God, I've got so much math to do, whatever. <laughs> Most people had pulled out before the financial commitment date, you know what I mean? There's yeah. like, there's like the, the academic penalty time, the cutoff date, and then there's the financial one as well. So what did you do to, did you make friends? Did you, you know, kiss the butt of the lecturer? Like, how did you <laughs> hang around? How did you, how did you adapt and how did you, stick around without you know how did you you know sink or swim basically yeah I think the biggest thing for me um when I went through those early struggle days Mm. I just wanted to talk to more people in industry um and network not because I wanted to get a job but mainly because I wanted to know what it was like yeah from different people's perspectives so I think this um networking with the storytelling intention was how it got me through most mm. of the time mm. and um yeah. yeah so i getting advice getting yeah. getting support yeah did you have like did you through a lot of the early subjects do some you know do study together with people do assignments with people and things like this is that what you found was really useful at tape like yeah definitely i um i am like a team player like i always like strive off playing off different people and so i was i always surrounded myself with people and then as well Outside of TAFE, I networked with Engineers Australia events. Yeah, awesome. So, awesome. Shout out to Engineers Australia. <laughs> yeah. So what were some of your first events? And who did you meet? I did the comedy oh, the comedy debates. They had a lot of webinars online. Yeah, awesome. Um, oh, yeah, Trang has been a big influence in my early career. So many shout outs good, on this good, episode. Trang Good fan. friend as well. She was, oh, she's always encouraging me and she's super inclusive. and Yeah. And yes. one thing I love about Trang Fam, and I've said this to her personally, is that how genuine she is, you know what I mean? There is not corporate Trang and then, you know, fun personal Trang. She's she's almost the, you know, there's obviously slight differences, but but she's so genuine in how she is. Whether she's hosting an event, she's working, she's, you know, you know, you run into her on the street, she's so genuine and so lovely. And she's, as you said, so welcoming and, and loving of people and trusting of people so early on that she's uh, she's one of my biggest, biggest friends and, 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 and I suppose, Mentors in in engineering. She's she's a powerful woman. She'll yeah. go far. She'll go far. Yeah, she will. Yeah. Shout out to Trang. Actually, she's on my storyboard. Number. She's five. on your storyboard. Yeah. Board I number five. I don't. Sh- should I jump the gun and read it out? But we don't need structure in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> you do you. You do you. Do <laughs> so number five. We're, we're number actually we're five. going to be sharing uh, this storyboard on LinkedIn. It's going to be on the internet, so uh, I haven't got your permission yet, but I hope you're okay with that. Um, no, so, <laughs> so if you're uh, if you're actually looking, guys, to uh, you know see what we're talking about, we will post it on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, hit us up number five. You've got this. Yeah, so number five was in 2018. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of when I was feeling like I was burning out between um, at the end of my construction days. 
Yeah. And I yeah. was putting so much in into my work, less into uni, and I was doing really bad at uni, failing. Mm. And I was just feeling like I was giving too much, not enough to myself and mm. my mental health, well-being, and exercise in general. Mm. Yeah, and I remember just at the start of 2018, I went into I went to um, get a diary at the start of the year to sort my life out. Mm. I was like, I'm not failing any more subjects at uni. <laughs> so, yeah, Chang helped me pick this diary. And she packaged this um, note in there because I told her, oh, you know, like, this is um, what I want the diary for. <laughs> <laughs> I just um, need to reflect more and listen to my listen to my body and yeah. when I'm, yeah, just... And collect your thoughts. Yeah. Sometimes we get so, so often we get overwhelmed with a thousand things running through our heads. Yeah. Once you actually can write it down, you're like, oh, this is what I actually feel. This is what I was actually thinking. Yeah. So I think that's really key. And one thing that's under underappreciated for a lot of young professionals and young people, you know? Yeah. We've got a thousand things all the time. We're consuming so much content. We're going through so much information and emails and all these sort of things and conversations with people because we don't have to have letters and face-to-face and -face conversations anymore. You, you've got certain people you chat to on Facebook Messenger, some people you chat to on Snapchat and then Instagram and, and everything that you just bombarded by information. I think it's more key now than ever to reflect and to write notes down. I encourage everyone I interact with to have a professional engineering journal. Just look almost like a dear diary. What did I do this week? What did I do this month? What did I learn? What did I stuff up? What did I do well? Uh, I think it's so key, the point you made about reflecting. Yeah. Just, it, there's just a thousand you know, points or ideas in your head that you get overwhelmed if you don't write them out. Yeah, basically just acknowledging how you're feeling is yeah. always good to mm, do. Huge. Um, yeah. yeah, so Trang um, enclosed this surprise note in, in the diary that I purchased and it says, my dearest Brit, you've got this. You're such a beautiful... Okay, she's meant to say beautiful heart. <laughs> You're such, or beautiful person. You're such a beautiful with a generous heart. Remember to be generous to yourself as well. Love, Trang. And I remember when I looked at that, um, I was like, oh my God, I so needed that. And I... <laughs> I had right. a cry. Mm. Yeah. Good on you. I was like, oh, sometimes those little things are like One percent is. the biggest yeah. thing that can help you. You just need yeah. something like that to encourage mm. you mm. and yeah, get back up. Agree. I think like to your point about having a breakdown during engineering, I don't yeah. I don't know any of, of my mates who has like not had a breakdown during Oh they do, they do. It's Everyone's like, nah, nah, it's closed cool. doors. Exactly. But when you get home, I remember crying to my mum one night in particular and she's just going, Why like why are you doing it then? Like and then you kinda of go, Oh, why yeah. am I doing this? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's cool, it's okay. But like I think like for any of our listeners out there who are having a bit of a breakdown during their university degree, know that like it's completely normal yeah. and you've got this, you can do it. Like mm. we've all been there and it's just a part of it type thing, it seems. Yeah, definitely. So can you touch on for us, Britt, a bit about, you know, I suppose how you, you burnt out and, and, and also intertwined with that, the different projects and the roles you had at BMD. The roles you had, what you did every day, and then what led you to burning out, I suppose, just to give a lot of other students and YPs out there an idea of how you got this job uh, and, and what you did as an undergrad while studying. Okay. Um, should I start with... That's, that's a thousand questions. So just, <laughs> yeah, try and, just try and answer it as best you can. <laughs> should I start with how I got my job? Yeah, yeah, sure. That's okay, a so um, when I finished my TAFE degree, I moved to uni. Yeah. And as soon as I got to uni... I 
within weeks I was like, oh, I'm so I, I don't think I can do this unless I have something else got um, going for me. Yeah, yeah. So I was put in contact with BMD um, yeah. HR and I annoyed the HR guy for six weeks. <laughs> Friendly persistence it was. Friendly. I call persistence. him every week. Every week? Yeah, every week. So he basically gave you a job. He gave me a job. To stop annoying you. Stop Probably, annoying. yeah, because he couldn't forget me. Yeah. <laughs> so we're also just on a Friday afternoon coming back from TAFE, just like, hey, just wanted to no. check in. Like, <laughs> have I got a job yet? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty much, because I went for an interview. Yeah. And I I actually prepared a lot for the interview because I really wanted it. And, yeah, fantastic. Um, when I looked into BMD, their values, I was like, okay, yeah, BMD is well suited to me mm. yeah and what others you, you mentioned them to me when we had our first catch up what others there's what is it three or four values that they have okay. that they have in their their, their values are family empowering determined collaborative and striving to do better yeah so when I was preparing for the interview I wrote down I took the time to write down each um, what their values meant to me mm. should I read them yeah <laughs> go for it 100% <laughs> okay so my personalized statement of BMD's values and culture and what it means to me. Family, I want to ensure I'm part of an organization where I feel comfortable in approaching my mentors and colleagues for guidance, whether that's asking questions or require help in completing a task. Empowering, when times get tough, this can possibly lead to an individual undercutting their own strength to be great. And sometimes all we need are the people around us to guide us in the right direction in establishing our potential to push to be better. Determine. My primary end goal is to be a successful, well-rounded and experienced engineer who can also be an inspiring mentor. Engineering brings many challenges and sometimes the path isn't always clear, but all I know is that we will get there together. Collaborative. I think of myself as someone who gives another person the time of day by listening to what they have to say and by willingly helping the best way I can. I do this because I can learn a lot from others and someday I may need help too. From this, I continue, continually learn to become an effective team member who is present and brave in introducing ideas in a discussion to come together to achieve a common goal. Striving to do better, I'm continuously competing with myself for growth through the performance of my work. I make it a habit to reflect and identify my lessons learned to enable improvement going forward and keeping in mind the bigger picture. Massive. Yeah. And I think one thing, um, you know, if that's a lot to take in for people listening, one thing I love about that is is knowing that you go into that that interview so you might not be super confident, you know, and not, and, and it, it's it's it, everyone's got varying levels of confidence. But one thing you can't deny, and one thing that is is irrespective of your personality, is passion. And when you have passion in something, it's easier to be confident about it because you really care about it. And if you're obviously very well prepared, as it sounds like you were, it's hard to not have confidence. Even if you're not a public speaker, you're not Gary Vaynerchuk or whatever. Yeah. You know, you are. You're not Tony Robbins, but. When you have passion and you're well prepared, it's hard to not be confident or at least be excited about what you're talking about. And I think for anyone listening out there, if anyone still listens to our podcast, <laughs> but, um, it, it's, it's really an amazing lesson for people to understand, hey, if I'm not a natural speaker or if I'm not confident in this interview, talk about what you're passionate about and also really do your you, you study. So I think that's a testament to why you got the job at BMD and, and why you're so successful in your career so far. Thanks. You're passionate and you're, uh, you're well prepared. Mm. So congratulations. Yeah. So you got the job at BMD. Exactly. Successfully. You got the job. Yeah. Probably because I made it a lot about them as well. I mm -hmm. said, this is why I love BMD so much. 
this is your values and what they mean to me. Exactly, exactly. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, you've got a few points here on reading. So, tell us about BMD. What did you do? What did you love? What didn't you love? Be honest. Be frank. So, initially, I started on um, a small project, QR, oh, Queensland Rail Dimon Graceville Station upgrade. Yeah. Um, I think it was a perfect project project to start on because mm. you know we had a small team and I had really good mental project engineers yeah, helping right. me out yeah. and there was a lot of different elements of the project that I got exposure to awesome really cool so what are you working on there on a project like that are you designing pavements and things like that to come in towards the station or are you doing the actual construction management or? yeah it was more the site management work. Yeah. so yeah. Mm-hmm. Work. developed the ITPs for each of the ITPs for a lot of people out there that don't know. (laughs) Inspection and test plan. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to develop an ITP in accordance to the client's specifications. Yep. And and it's kind of just like a sequential process of how you're going to construct that element Mm. with hold points and witness points. And then at the end, the inspector or client signs it off. Verifies it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Perfect. That's a really, really well explained. Yeah, that's great. And also I got um, exposure to inspection. So, you know, when we do a concrete pour, so make sure you test the concrete first with the conforming slump and Mm -hmm. yeah, basically just to, you just go through those spec items to see the vibrating the concrete and all that, I guess, Mm. yeah. Yeah, all that concrete dirty stuff. (laughs) 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 A bit of procurement as well. Yeah. And um, a lot of like cost tracking of dockets. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and subby management here and there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Telling the old stinky dirty <laughs> yeah. lads what to do. And a lot of like health, health and safety. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a lot of different areas that I got exposure to, which is um, massive. really good experience to get onto first. Yeah, especially, is. I think, coming back to the office afterwards or an office job, having even just one little project like that is mm-hmm. a massive leg up for someone who's come like from university straight in the office type lifestyle. Like, already you would know what an 80 slump looks like or you would know like what a 600 spread looks like going into like different slabs and things like that and when you're talking about the design you can physically see that in your head rather than just looking at the spec and going okay i know it's 80 because it's 80 type thing you can see the science behind that physically in the real world i think that's massive and then so from that project was it straight on to the next one with bmd or did you were you able to put your hand up to go and um I don't know, ask for another project that you're interested in or how did it work? So usually it was um, just like a follow-on process with all the pro- all the projects. But so when I was a, on the Dimon Graceville station upgrade, I also worked on the first constructionarium project. Um, awesome. In number four, the photo there. Number is, four. Um, the first constructionarium was in 2016. So mm. I actually, um, my boss managed this project and he brought me on to kind of do um, all the site management and mobilisation of the site because yes. BMD and Oricom were the founding partners of... Um, oh, wow. Construction area. Yeah, and TMR. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, can you explain a little bit about what construction area is? So that's construction area for people that you know, <laughs> might think I'm, I'm mumbling or something on the episode. Can you, yeah. <laughs> can, can, you, can you explain a little bit about what that is? Uh, so construction area's aim is to provide real-world exposure to undergrads and early engineering professionals to the real-world projects mm-hmm. um, throughout the whole life cycle of the projects. But Fantastic. So, and it's to construct a, an iconic 
scaled down structure. Yeah. So the first one was the Barcelona Tower. Yeah. Yeah, right. And then, yeah, recently it's been the Story Bridge. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to be talking to uh, Construction Area and maybe doing a juicy little piece on that. So uh, keep your ears peeled. Eyes peeled, ears. So it's boys and girls that do um, the project yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, no, it's such a good initiative. Yeah, it it's really it really is because you actually really get your hands dirty with it. So at the mm. start, you have to do all the preliminary project management planning, mm-hmm. and then so you do that for a week, and then following week, you actually get on site mm-hmm. and have a five five-day timeline to construct the scaled-down replica, which was the Five days? Sounds yeah. like Backyard Blitz or yeah. like one of those ones, you know, just five, yeah. five, five days. Yeah, five the days. entire yeah. construction. Yeah. Far out. Including That's insane. Pouring the concrete and all that. So, yeah, wow. This yeah. is always the question behind the TV shows that we watch. <laughs> um, how much of the work actually gets done, like pouring the concrete and things like that, or is it more so the design that's going on? Do you guys actually get to get, like you said, get your hands dirty and like? Yeah, we actually have to do all the labour. Yeah, right. So we we had to, we were um, getting a subby to help us with all the labour, but they're like, oh, so so this is foreman almost for the site. Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. So they're like, oh, this is how you you this is how you tie the bolts. (laughs) This is how you pull the concrete. So you do all the formwork and. All that, so yeah. yeah, that was you get a really good appreciation mm. for laborers and just what they do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, unreal, unreal. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Like at, at the moment, our our followers will know. Like I'm building a little bit of an office um, out on uh, our family's property, mm. and I've done a little bit of building just from like farm work experience before, but I've never actually done like a complete home build type thing. And when I first started, I was like, oh, yeah, that'll be, that'll be fairly easy. Like, I'll just put together a few shipping containers, a few roofs, chuck it over, deck, yeah. that'll be done. And what is it, six or eight months later doing it all by myself, <laughs> I have learned so much. It's not even funny. You can you can see which was my first window and which was my last one. Because <laughs> really bad, 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 kind of good, and the last one's all right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like for yourself to do that, and it's specific to your industry. Mine, there's just building, but I think to have an appreciation for exactly what a laborer or someone, like you said, vibrating concrete or something like that is gonna have to do on site is so important because you're the one who's gonna be saying, all right, we're actually gonna do, I don't know, 50 um, cubic meters of concrete instead of the original yeah. 25. Like, you know, the labor and the time that's involved with that now. Yeah. Like, to a T and the sweat. <laughs> yeah. And even the team, you get all your roles. So there'd be a project manager, there'd be the QA, the quality assurance. Yeah. Yeah. Like, everyone just had an individual role to play. And, mm-hmm. you know, that we really had to come together to work as a team and come up with the solutions and all that. Yeah. That's great. Unreal. What was your favorite part? I know all of it. It's all of it. You loved it. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. And do you know? Sorry, to put you on the spot, but do you know like how students can get involved and things like that if they're interested and they're listening? Um, I just know that usually it's with the companies. Yeah. So. So apply for BMB. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know Downer. Uh, Downer did it as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, we'll put a list up uh, <laughs> yeah. when when we go and talk to them of yeah. um, well, companies we'll, you should be looking to apply for if you want to do yeah. something like that. Yeah, cool. Okay, amazing. so they didn't actually bring on any pure uni students, but more undergraduates that worked on these Undergraduates, grads. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. Okay. Yeah. And gave them really just, cool. I suppose, more responsibility and, and, and greater roles than they probably would have in their existing 
Yeah, construction mm-hmm. is really getting out there though. They're, it is. Um, it's getting know, popular. Going to integrate with the unis and. Oh well, yeah, it's getting big. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we are talking to James Flaherty, their commerce manager at yeah. uh, Construction Area, and um, we're really excited to sort of see what they do and and how we can be of any help to them. It's mm-hmm. a it's a really awesome initiative. So yeah, definitely. definitely. Just to closing the gap between industry and. Yeah. Uni. Yeah, they have a very similar goal to what we have, you know. Yeah. I mean, they're doing it in a very practical way, but um, it's it's amazing to, yeah, just show people that, you know, form work, you know what I mean? When would you have ever done form work again in your life? Never, you know yeah. what I mean? Hands-on actually doing it yourself. So, yeah, yeah I, compl- I love what they're doing and, and we're keen to, to partner or work with them or at least showcase what they do uh, in future episodes for sure. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, what, 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 what uh, I suppose... You know, did you put your hand up for after construction? After construction area, I just kind of um, moved along the projects with my boss. I had the same boss for two years, wow. so whatever yeah, project nice. he was on next, he'd bring me along. Yeah, he get, always gave our team like a lot of the freedom because he, I guess, he like trusted us to deliver the work. I was never micromanaged or anything like that. Mm. I always relied on my PEs like to mentor me and. Sorry, PE. Project engineer. Project engineers, yeah. No, that's okay. Yeah. That's all good. Yeah. It's good for people to learn that they, the the uh, Oh, acronyms. acronyms. Get used to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, no, I love that. I absolutely love it. I'm still Googling acronyms today. Don't worry about it. Oh, do you have a book Listen, I actually, Googled, I actually Googled one acronym today. So about protection relays and all electrical garbage you probably don't care about. But <laughs> they're useful. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so after that... QR project and construction area. I was on the Brisbane Airport Taxiway Hotel Code E upgrade. Yeah, um, yeah, cool. Yeah, and that was kind of like when I really got put in the deep end and um, mm. kind of had to act site engineer. Took it up another notch. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it was like my first kind of major project with a lot of um, huge um, plant machinery and a lot of like bulk material. Mm-hmm. So I learned a lot on that project and I also got probably super stressed as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. And, yeah. and, and what, can, can you explain a little bit more about this stress and, and how it came on, whether it was, it was it just deadlines that you knew you had to meet, like was it the people that you worked with? Can you explain just a bit more about that, how you um, dealt with it and everything? Yeah, with, so with construction, obviously, like, you know, problems happen out on site a lot and I feel like, it's probably just like a personal thing. I always took on the stress of when something would go wrong. Mm. And, you know, when I was stressed, I would shut down and not ask for help. Mm. Also, there was like a lot of backlog of work that I had to do. And sometimes I just didn't feel very supported as I should have been. As I, yeah. I think, yeah, it's such a tough gig being on a construction site type yeah. thing because things go wrong every single day, mm-hmm. just about, like... And unforeseen things, you know? It's not always yeah. mistakes, it's just unforeseen yeah. things. And I know one of my biggest yeah. learnings was when I first started doing site work is I would take it real personally because yeah, yeah. I would I was like, this is my, my job site and I, I want to make sure everything runs perfectly. And, of course, like, stuff up will happen and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, but I would still take it personally and I think taking it personally like that just builds up that stress almost because you're like seeing it as a reflection of your performance in your job type thing yeah. whereas I think it's not really the case at all and that's kind of why you get so many fiery people on site so quickly when little things start to go wrong and it all just snowballs so quickly yeah um, I think um, as well so I always have this fear like that it ain't not enough Mm. Like as an undergrad and... Still have that fear. Yeah. <laughs> Every day. 
It never goes away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I was always trying to do my best, but I wasn't managing like to the best of my ability. Mm. And I always kind of felt like I needed like permission to like be that side engineer and mm. stuff. Mm. But like you weren't like you yeah, weren't. Yeah, because I was an uh, undergrad like doing uni as well. So I was always mm. like, oh, is this is this my role? Or sometimes as an engineer, you ne- you don't have a set role. Mm. So sometimes sure. you just don't. And you feel like insecure. What, yeah. Like whether you're good enough, whether you're qualified enough, experienced enough. Yeah. And it doesn't stop when you get the degree, you know what I mean? This yeah. is not just like, oh, you get this piece of paper, you're now legit. Like, mm. And I think it's you, you need a little bit of that insecurity because you, you when you become too secure, too comfortable, you yeah. stop trying, you stop pushing your boundaries. So I think it is healthy yeah. to be a little bit insecure, but you'll always have it, you know? Mm. You, you'll always be insecure whether you're leading yourself, leading a team, leading a multi-billion dollar company. So I think that's something that people have to embrace. You yeah. Know what I mean, and obviously there's there's a healthy aspect, a healthy level, as you said. You sort of got so insecure or so overwhelmed that you shut down. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's I think it's an important thing for people to understand that they need to embrace it and understand. Hey, I'm not going to always know everything, mm. but I'm either going to ask help, ask for help to figure it out, or I'm going to read enough books and texts and everything yeah. to, mm. to learn it. I think that's an important thing to cover and talk about because it's not talked about. I think enough. Yeah. Definitely. Not only not only dealing with with stress and anxiety and things but identifying it as well yeah and i kind of have this stereotype in my head you know if i ask for help i'll look weak yeah and Mm. i i think it was i don't know if it's an actual stereotype but maybe this was just in my head like because i was in the construction um industry and Mm. you know there's like not many females and Mm. i don't know it's just like oh if you can't handle this then Mm. you know can you even handle this industry yeah 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 but yeah like there was always so I did struggle a lot with asking for help but then when I did Mm. I was always really well supported Mm. so I don't know most of the the time it's kind of in my head Mm. that's that's the big battle isn't it just battling with your head and all those things around you I just wanted to go back quickly to so you talked about working on the airport and just on more of like a technical basis could you just explain really basically kind of the process from like ripping up the soil to all the way to finishing off the tarmac for this taxiing part of the project what are the steps involved to building a runway type thing like you did because it's obviously a lot different to a um <laughs> to a road or something like that yeah well the brisbane airport's a bit different because you actually so with the taxiway mm. you know they did um demolition clear and grub in some areas like where the landscaping is but actually they use sand and place it on the pavement to strengthen the foundation okay and they leave it there for you know a couple months right yeah so that's called surcharge placement oh okay with so the weight of the sand yeah yeah okay to stabilize the ground yeah so they did that on the taxiway and they also are doing that um they did that on the New Second runway. runway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what? So so they like they excavate land for an electrical engineer like me. That's very ignorant. They excavate the land. They then like pour your concrete slab, and then they put a bulk of sand on top of that laid concrete to weigh it down and compact it. Is that right? So. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to understand so, how the sand helps the concrete. Yeah. So they it's called surcharge placement. They just place the sand on the pavement, mm-hmm. the existing pavement. So it'll just be asphalt. And, yeah, they leave it there for three months mm. or so mm. <laughs> to um, strengthen the ground. Uh, yeah. It, it was the first, like, first time I heard about it when I... Yeah, um, I've never heard was about it in my life, so... 
project mm. and I just thought it was so fascinating. I was like, oh. And so wow. afterwards they remove the sand and it's ready to yeah, go. Yeah, after right? a couple months. Yeah, um, right. But they would do it in like staging sections of mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. taxiways. Yeah. So um, depending on the ge- the existing ground conditions. Yeah. So yeah, when they did the okay. initial geotech. And so to get to that point of laying the pavement and all that, excavated all out. Yeah. Um, are there different layers of kind of um, concretes or pavements and things like yeah. that that are being done? That's different to say a typical road design or something like that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So after um, the surcharge, in some areas, you would excavate to mm-hmm. subgrade. And because they have a lot of acid sulfate soils and PFAS out of the Brisbane airport, um, yeah, yeah. sometimes you'd have to remove and replace or you would just treat the the PFAS or acid sulfate conditions with lime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to stabilise, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, so the subgrade, yeah, would just be sand and then... And we probably should mention what subgrade is. Oh, yes, yeah. subgrade... <laughs> <laughs> to me, subgrade is the base of where you're excavating to. Um, it's kind of like the base material that you get to, and then it's a build up from there. Yeah. Yeah. If my civil engineering <laughs> yeah, experience yeah. hasn't oh, yeah, failed right. me. <laughs> and then at the taxiway, it was different pavement materials in some sections. So it would be FCR, fine crust rock, mm-hmm. and then asphalt. So EME2 asphalt, which is a new emerging asphalt in the industry. Um, mm-hmm. They're using a more now on highways and okay. and airports. Is that stuff with like polymers and things like it in it? Or yeah. I haven't actually heard of it before. Is um, it got a special so like one of the benefits of it is you you have a reduced layer of EME too and that's kind of like a, a big cost saving okay. in comparison to like your conventional asphalt. Oh right. So okay. it wears wears better basically. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then just chuck some sand on it and chill. For anyone listening, <laughs> Google EME EME yeah, EME2 two asphalt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go. do some research guys we're not going to give you all the answers <laughs> I should know more about it but um, yeah I did no, no. Yeah, no, that, I think that's a pretty good explanation to be honest <laughs> I know I've been involved in road designs we never put sand on top yeah. of it like that that's probably seems to be the key differential there yeah. But, um, yeah. So you, so you're in a site engineer role there, and um, and I suppose what was what was required in your day to day, and and how did your day to day get so intense that you burnt out? Can you speak a bit about that? Yeah. So I think we were just. You know, sometimes, like, at one point, we just have so much work on mm. and, like, all my QA would um, just back Foul. out. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do rework and rework and... Oh, I, it was... It was oh, I don't know. It was kind of just more like the support, mm-hmm. I think. Mm. Yeah, I don't I think know. it's, like, 12-hour days that you're doing it Yeah, I was always and... doing, like, massive hours when I was out yeah. on this job. Um, mm. Nah, yeah, like... I had a good team, but just sometimes it was like I was taking on too much, I guess. Or I was always like, oh, I need to stay back and do all the work. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I think it's because like I was juggling too much at the time yeah. like with uni and work. Mm. And were you doing a lot of this as night works because obviously the taxi, the, you know, the airport's running or were you doing it during the day and it was cut off? Yeah, sometimes I did night shift. Mm. But I think at the time I was on uni holidays. So yeah, it was okay. that bad. Okay, so you did, you, you did night shift. Yeah. You did graveyard shift during uni holidays. <laughs> yeah, graveyard shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Graveyard yeah. shift. I was like, yeah, yeah, I was like overnight. this is the life. Yeah, 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no like, one's oh, around. Is this how my life's going to be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right, right. And how did you, 
How did you identify when it was too much? Um, what did you do to get out of it? You know, did you, you know, how, how did that process go coming out of the burnout? Um, okay, yeah. So after taxiway, I moved to the um, new parallel runway job. Yeah. And I don't know, I kind of like it was eventually just losing my enthusiasm. Mm. I just needed something else, something different. Mm. And I don't know, I was kind of losing like a lot of my feminine energy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, right. To be honest, I was. Yeah, yeah right. Because I was always like surrounded in that environment. With yeah. the boys. With the boys. <laughs> the boys, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, I was always like taken after the boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I was kind of, um, I just remember one day, so I was on the runway and had to deal with something for the on the taxiway hotel and we mm. couldn't get... PC until this stormwater culvert was signed off. We had to do some CCTV. Yeah. And I just remember I had like the worst day. So um, we didn't, ins- so I took uni off that day and I was like, mm. okay, this inspection needs to be done today or else we're not going to get PC. Um, what's Project PC? completion. <laughs> yep. All the acronyms to that. Yeah. Yeah, she's killing it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. I was running from project to project at the time and I, yeah, we had an RPQ guy um, who was like a, a subcontract come out and he just, you know, wouldn't sign off this stormwater culvert. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, I took uni off for this. Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, I just had like a, a big breakdown and it, it shouldn't have been like, I just thought like it, I because I had uni, it shouldn't be my responsibility. And I mm-hmm. spoke to like um, one of my mentors. And I'm like, I just had a breakdown that day, and I was like, yep. mm-hmm. seriously, this is just like not going my way, and I don't want to fail uni again. Yeah, yeah. And I was like crying so bad. And one of the PEs, Chris, was always like so helpful. And he's like, Brittany, why don't you talk to your to your boss right now and tell him, you know, what's going on. You need to, you need to mm-hmm. focus on uni because that comes first, and then. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll I'll talk to my boss. And then, yeah, I remember being so scared about looking weak. But then, I, yeah, I had a chat with him anyway. And he fully understood. I was like, oh, why didn't you tell me earlier? I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that was just like the stress element where I um, struggled to ask for help and just shut down. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, after that, it was kind of just, yeah, I don't know. Like, Easier. <laughs> did, you, did you get some time off? Did you Did you just scale just back like, to I less need, days? Yeah, I just scale back to less days because mm. I just need to focus on... And hand off, some, hand off some responsibilities to other other PEs, other project engineers around? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, basically, so... And did that, that bloody culvert get signed off by that bloody RPEQ? Yeah. It was pretty much <laughs> me who did it. <laughs> I was like, okay, just stop crying about it and just do what you need to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, right. I think at that time I was just kind of losing enthusiasm for my for being in construction, I guess. Yeah, I was like, yeah. yeah, and I just felt like because I didn't know much technical stuff, I was always getting so annoyed about myself. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's um, the reason why I kind of got out of construction and moved to Oricon. Yeah, I can, I can yeah. definitely relate to you on that point. Like um, we were talking earlier, like I was in the exact same position um, with Wholesome and I like do not regret for a second my experience on site and mm. on like major projects, but and it's so important. But yeah, it definitely like if that's not what you're motivated about, like being out on site and doing all those kind of things, like for some people that's just like what makes them tick and they just absolutely love it. Like mm. I work with plenty of guys and girls who just absolutely love being out there day in, day out. Mm. But yeah, it's not for everybody. I think you work that out fairly quickly when you yeah. are out there on site day in, day out doing the 12 hours and really yeah. um, 
or putting your life into it really that's yeah. that's what it is construction like it's it's a lifestyle almost like you're out there got the boots on you're working hard they work hard eh? yeah yeah it's yeah. it's not an easy gig but it is rewarding and yeah um, it's super rewarding and it's um like i definitely miss it some days mm, like, for sure. i really like because when i moved from bmd to oregon i really missed sight i was like oh yeah to but make take a choice the fresh yeah. air well yeah, take yeah. us through that process of moving from bmd to oricon which isn't an office job so going from the site into the office time yeah okay so when i went from bmd to oricon i was like just also super drawn to oricon because of you know like <laughs> they always um they have like their own language like they're just super passionate like future ready just imagine all their <laughs> blogs and um, media that their brand, on, everything. yeah, just their brand, and I was, and I had like a couple friends from Oregon who was, who I really admired. And I'm like, mm. wow, they're so passionate, and you know, they seem like they do such cool projects. Mm. And so, yeah, I kind of just wanted to um, develop more of my technical capability and experience on projects, and yeah, so I kind of made that move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. And how did you? So did you reach out to your your colleagues and mentors and things, your friends that and and got an interview like? How did that sort of process work? Um, so I was actually at a Narwick breakfast. Narwick is National Australia Women in Construction. Mm. So that was, yeah, a Narwick breakfast. Um, and I was invited by Construction Area um, Australia. So we had a table and there was a couple of girls from Oregon and I met. And I remember we just went around the table and I um, was just like saying oh, I was super passionate about the engineering industry and... <laughs> Yeah, I, I love, like, the side, but I also want to learn more in design. Mm. And then, yeah, one of the girls, Ellie Hubbard, she's Oricon. Mm. Yeah, she was like, oh, if you ever, like, want to make the move, yeah, feel free to contact me. Mm. And, yeah, so when she said that, I was like, oh, really? Yeah. So I thought about it for, like, three months. Oh, because right. I knew I had it so well at b and mm. I was like, oh, like... I know I have a really good future at BMD, but then, I don't know, I it was really hard for me to leave. Mm. And you said I was just getting super drawn in mm. the direction of Oricon. Mm. Yeah. And you said when we caught up last time that you really loved, uh, one of their, their values, their morals, was the family. And, and you re- that was one thing that you really loved at BMD, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, because, um, yeah, they definitely, like, with their values, it, it, you actually get that on, yeah. like, the you smaller feel projects. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I loved like all my colleagues at BMD, and I miss them. <laughs> yeah. 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 Fantastic. And so, where, how did you how did you move over to Oricon? You know, where where did you go to? What what are you are you still in that same role? And how's that how's that now? Last roughly twelve months, how's that been for you? Yeah. So I started in the built environment unit. Yeah. Um, and at the time, we had just like a newly formed team, and I was learning. A lot of like design automation in 12d software on um defense projects awesome. yeah it was it was like pretty challenging but i got mentored so well mm. by um chris dawson and toby chris dawson and toby yeah they, um, Legends. they were super like they're so patient and um literally like always gave me a time day to help me out mm, because wow. 12d is difficult God, I used it a lot. So 12D is, is 12 like is like a it's like a 3D CAD program essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Like they use it to model um, road and highways and. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And so you have had you ever used it before? Yeah. So I used it at TAFE in okay. road design. 
Yeah, in one or two seconds. I didn't really like it because it's not very, <laughs> very intuitive software. Yeah, okay. But when you get to know it, it like it's so useful. It's like yeah. really powerful software, and mm. you know, it's you can integrate twelve D software into another model. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's like really beneficial in yeah. seeing all the elements of a project. Especially master planning and things like that. You can yeah. have you know many aspects of a project, yeah. stages or phases or whatever, and then you bring them back back in. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so I did a lot of design automation and pro- producing drawings when I was in built environment. Massive. Massive. Yeah, yeah cool. And so uh, is that where you still are now? So now I transition into the infrastructure unit. Yeah, I really enjoy it because I'm working like a lot on BAC and defense projects. And it was kind of like, I, I really liked the construction work, but you know, it's kind of, I can get that as well in infrastructure on mm-hmm. similar projects. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get a good basis of like design and project management and site experience. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really loving infrastructure because yeah, I'm kind of like really into the airfield pavement and yeah, aviation sector. Yeah. So yeah, just with like past experience, I think I have a keen interest in that area. Is that so? That's obviously somewhere that you'd like to specialize in in the future. That's kind of like yeah, a bit of a goal so. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Just like with airfield payment, I think there's a lot of work in, um, involved and. Absolutely. Yeah, there's yeah. lots to learn. It's very yeah. niche and specialist as well. Like it, <laughs> yeah. yeah, become an expert in that, and yeah. you really can chase the big bucks. I'm sure. Yeah, and like I worked with um, a couple like we're in infrastructure. I worked um so andrew henningson he's inspector for oricon and i worked with him at taxiway hotel when i was a and d yeah cool so yeah. he was the rpuq that wouldn't sign off on your call no not him no <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like it's good kind of having like that continuing relationship yeah yeah he encouraged me to move to infrastructure so yeah he's like giving me so he poached you <laughs> <laughs> he stole you. You must be a hot commodity here at Oricon. <laughs> You're in demand. Nah. Stolen nah, between not. the teams. Yeah, but I don't know. It's good when you have someone like a mentor who can kind of take you on the, their wing. And yeah, it's yeah. just, it's so important in the industry, I think, yeah. to have people like that you can go to. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah, yeah, massive. Massive. Well, we're, we're nearly, near, nearly near the end. It's, uh, it's actually flown by, nearly an hour already. It's actually flown by. We've gone through the whole story and it's, it's been really fascinating and inspiring, Brittany. Were there one or two or three uh, key takeaways, key pieces of advice, um, you know, uh, that you would like to impart to a lot of the young professionals and others out there listening, you know, two key or three maybe mantras or things that you've experienced or learnt from or followed throughout your career and help you, you know, to who you are now? I think, uh, like, with my biggest lessons along the way, I think, um, you know, with, so uni related, I think um, it's, sometimes it's not about like what you're learning, but more the discipline. Mm. Like, mm. you know, how I was saying, oh, I didn't really like maths, but yeah. I just eventually just learned to do it. Mm. I was like, okay, yeah, I just, it's the discipline. And then as well, I think with a lot of like the experience I've had, sometimes like it's not always going to be, good times, sunshine, rainbows. <laughs> mm. So I would just encourage people, you know, like embrace every place you're at. And even if it's not ideal or where you want to be at the moment, um, it's like a important phase and stepping stone for you, you know, so like embrace, embrace where you're at, embrace 
the people, yeah. Embrace the opportunity and the yeah. experience. Yeah, embrace where you're at. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, yeah. and what sort of advice would you impart on people jumping as the little goldfish? Mm-hmm. Stage one, jumping from the little fishbowl to the bigger fishbowl. <laughs> I don't know, sometimes you just got to take a risk, hey, and not look back. <laughs> just wing it, huh? Yeah. Just, just send it. Send Pretend it. Pretend you're near it, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it's definitely been, like, a whole new world, like, since I took that big leap of faith into engineering journey. Yeah. Like, I've met so many people on the way who've, like, inspired me so much. And, yeah. you know, because I think I was... I used to have so many struggles and felt so, like, weak in these areas, not knowing enough. And, yeah. But, you know, like, we all kind of go through through that and storytelling is such so important you know like talk to people see what it's like um it's you're not the one just struggling you know um there's other people out there who can help you through and like mentors are so important they've been like my anchor anchor throughout um my undergrad experience yeah and i think i don't know just be like authentic like don't be afraid to fail yeah. Seriously, because I failed so much at uni and I was, I don't know, I, you know, don't be afraid to, like, get, like, fail. If you're going to fail, like, fail get back up again, Yeah. you know, I think that's and probably, just acknowledge it. And that's probably one thing we're discovering a lot with this podcast is a lot of the people that we talk to are quite successful type people in the engineering industry. Mm. And a lot of them have a common theme of failed subjects <laughs> at university and really struggling to do it because they were so passionate about other things and being really active, getting their work experience and things like um, like that, like yourself. And um, yeah, I think it's still really frowned upon at uni to fail subjects, like yeah. you're not gonna succeed in your career and all these types of things. But yeah, what seems to reign true for me time and time again is it's the people with the good work ethics, which is often learnt by failing something and repeating it and getting it done and doing it properly. That it provides a much better work ethic to someone than just breezing through a university degree and getting out yeah. the end and just going, oh, all right, what's on? What's the next challenge type thing? Mm-hmm. So I think you've actually learned a really valuable lesson by failing. And, and, and yeah. one thing, it's, it's, it's funny that we sort of talk about this topic right now. I love book recommendations. So anyone out there listening, please give me your book recommendations. <laughs> but um, one for you guys right now is um, from Carol Dweck. Um, she's the head, uh, you know, head of the Virginia Eaton uh, Psychology section of Stanford University. Uh, and she's got an amazing book called Mindset, uh, mm. and it's all about your growth mindset. And it's whether you have a fixed growth mindset or a developing growth mindset. And one thing she says is that, yeah, you should fail, but sh- fail quickly. Fail quickly, make your mistake, learn and move on instead of dwelling, 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 or being, as you said, being scared to risk it or just jump, like jump. Fall, fall on your face, do it quickly, learn yeah. and, and succeed the next time or, or, you know, stopping and holding yourself back and, and just worrying about it. If you're going to fail, at least fail quickly and learn from it and continue, you know. It's absurd to think that failing, we should never fail in our lives, you know yeah. what I mean? If you don't ever fail and make a mistake, fail, I think. You, you know, you're never going to learn anything. Yeah, if, if I didn't fail, fail then, like I probably would fail like now in my career. Yeah. I don't know, it's, it's just a part of life. 
And yeah. it always seems like the more you fail, the more successful you will ultimately become. I was listening to um, the podcast, how I, how I Built This, the other day. Yeah, yeah. And they were interviewing the guy who invented the uh, the Dyson vacuum cleaner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And James Dyson. Yeah. I was listening to the episode. Right? <laughs> the episode. Yeah, yeah. He was 40 years old, like, what was it? 100 grand in debt or something crazy like that. And yeah, he's, yeah. he's constantly in his garage trying to invent this vacuum cleaner. Mm. Everyone's thinking he's a madman. He's failed. He's like... Have no success at all, and just now it's what worth four billion or something ridiculous like that, and it's just yeah, crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just to finish that one off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go out there and fail, guys. Yeah, do, yeah. It. do it. <laughs> fail, fail quickly. We have talked all about risking it for the biscuit and uh, and pushing your boundaries. You know, taking that leap of faith with one Miss Brittany Harris, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. I just want to share. Yeah. My last quote. Last quote. So yeah, the picture number seven. Oh, number seven. Going <laughs> back to the career storyboard. Yeah, what is it? To, to um, all my fellow friends and fellow undergrads, if you're doing it tough, just remember, you are stronger than you know, braver than you believe, and smarter than you think you are. I love it. I love it. Mate, it's actually been a real pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for your time, Brittany. Nice. Uh, really, really loved it. And um, guys, if you're listening, Brittany Harris is probably one of our probably one of our front runners, mate. To be honest, do you reckon? For uh, <laughs> for our pretend engineers co-host partner, do we wish uh, well together? Oh, I don't know. There's a bit of, there's a bit of chemistry, <laughs> but um, guys, we are continuing the Women in STEM recruitment campaign, and uh, one Miss Brittany Harris. Thanks very much for coming on. She is our leading candidate. Thanks are for you having gonna, me. Are you going to beat her? You know, we want to know. Is there a better podcast? <laughs> co-host out there because yeah she's 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 the front runner right now she's making it hard to choose so uh, but guys thanks as always your guys ryan lumens jack orbit your pretend engineers thanks very much for listening and we will catch you soon